The Adventure Syndicate presents the Jenny Graham Round the World podcast, sponsored by Shand Cycles. So my route took me, started on Berlin and took me east. I went through um, Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, into Russia. Spent a really long time in Russia. <laughs> in June 2018, Inverness cyclist Jenny Graham set off on her Shand Stushi steel frame bike, affectionately named Little Pig, to become the fastest woman to circumnavigate the globe. She did the whole thing unsupported. No one to sort her accommodation or meals or wash her clothes. No one to give her a wheel, cheer her on or smooth her passage across the borders. This was just one woman, her little pig and a whole big fat saddlebag of determination. Um, And so then I went from Anchorage down the side of the Rockies uh, through into Canada. While she was away, Jenny sent back audio postcards. And this podcast is a combination of her thoughts and reflections when she got back, together with some of those recordings from the trip. Europe and come up through Portugal, Spain, France, Belgium, Holland, and right across Germany, back to Berlin. Part one, from Germany to Russia. So the Guinness World Record rules for cycling around the world are you have to cycle for 18,000 miles. Your whole journey must cover the the same distance as the circumference of the world. So that is 24,900 miles. So that's with your flights and things included. You have to be going in an easterly or westerly direction, primarily. You have to pass through two polarised points on the planet, which are for my ones for New Zealand and Spain. And you also, there's no drafting. So if you have a support vehicle, then you can't be drafted by it. There you go. And then you cycle around the world. (laughs) Yeah. Take me back to Berlin (gasps) and the start and how you you felt. What was going through your, your head and your heart? When, uh, when you're waiting for that, that uh, go? It was the run up to Berlin. Oh, like I look back on it now and I'm like, how did you manage to get to the start line without having a major meltdown? I do not know. It was so much to organise, so much to get ready, including carrying on working and carrying on with your normal life, you know? Um, all the training and finding funding and, um, you know, planning of the trip. So when, by the time I got to Berlin, I was pretty exhausted with it and I was a little bit numb with it. If, I mean, there was excitement in there, but I was a little bit like, oh, I'm just really tired. Um, and then I, the night before, about, I, I, excited, like I'm playing that down there. I was, I was in a positive frame of mind. I couldn't wait just to get going because I knew that this was all going, this was all the hardest bit. Once I was riding my bike, it'd be fine. It was just getting to that start line with, you know, having done enough things for that to happen. And right up until I had like two or three days out in Berlin, and I was still frantically working through list of things that I hadn't done. And, you know, even on the last night, I was like, right, that's it, I've done everything. And I was like, oh no, actually I haven't done everything. And I would go back and um, fixing things out and sending off emails. And I was just going to bed at about midnight. So I'd have, um, or maybe 11 o'clock. So I was going to have six hours sleep the night before. And I lay in my bed and I looked up at my bike and saw my GPS on the bike and thought, oh no. I haven't got any roots on that. 
I don't even know my way out of Berlin tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm leaving at six o'clock. So I was like, oh, it's easy to fix. I practiced it at home. Like, I know how to do it. Um, so I started trying to get the routes to download and nothing would download onto it. I was like, oh no, oh no. So like into the sitting room, trying to get better Wi-Fi. Um, Tom and Mike, who were out with me, like doing the filming stuff, it, they were they were also in bed, just like guys. I need I need techie help. So um, they got up and worked on Tom's computer. Two hours later, so it's now one in the morning. I got half the world onto the Garmin <laughs> and ready to set off. But that it was so like everyone was knackered and it was a really really tense time. And I was feeling like, I cannot believe you have not done this. So I arrived at the Brandenburg gates and it's this massive, big sort of square courtyard with the gates at one end of it. And it was the last couple of days I'd been there. It was so busy and people like one of the big top spots to go in Berlin. And so it was lovely seeing it at that time with not another soul in it. And I was like buzzing about with my bike computers and resetting them. And then a couple of folk arrived that had got in touch like on Twitter and, you know, from the sort of bike biking community in Berlin. And then more folk arrived and our like official witnesses arrived. And then before I knew it, it was just like lovely. And Melanie Nosham and their wee, and their wee girl, Alva came along and it's just the nicest. They came with coffee and cake. Melanie gave me the biggest cuddle ever, which was so needed at that point, at like quarter to six on the Saturday morning. And we had loads of photos taken. Someone took a lot of Scottish flag. And yeah, it was just a really nice time. And kind of let, I managed to let go of a few things there, like sort of forget that. Um, because everyone was being so lovely. And then sort of I went just on my bike and sort of went to turn around and Mike shouted, yep, that's it, it's six o'clock. So before I knew it, I was riding past all these people and there was like 12 or 15 of them out, I think, and like six in the morning, it was so nice of them. And I rode past it and I just got the most amazing feeling I don't think I've ever had anything like that in my life just from my toes it started rying up my body and it was just like pure joy so happy that this was it I was actually starting it I wasn't talking about it I wasn't planning it I wasn't looking at things for it I was actually just riding it it was incredible like I think I might even give a little fist pump when I got past everyone because I was so excited really cool but then I thought it was dead funny so I was like riding along the street I only got about 300 meters and then the lights turned red so I had to stop anyway and everyone sort of a couple of the boys that were riding with me caught up with me so that was my grand start that <laughs> I couldn't go on for very far but yeah the rest Remind of the day was just cool me like and you why <laughs> you decided to do this in the first place what was your motivation <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> no, um, I 
just saw the opportunity, like I just saw it as an opportunity. It came up that I'd been riding right more and more distances just like for a hobby, you know, just um, got um, more and more into endurance events and even out with my friends, like pushing the miles that I was able to do. And it just got my curiosity going, just like, wow, I can do these back-to-back -back massive days, you know, 200-mile days sometimes, 250 sometimes. And... Um, like, I wonder what else my body can do. And at that time, I was already questioning that. I went away on an adventure syndicate camp and met a coach, John Hampshire, who then offered me a year's free coaching on the back of that camp. So all of a sudden, I had this massive curiosity about what my body and mind could do. And then I had a coach that wanted to work with me for a year. And then things just started falling into place. My work said I could have a sabbatical. Um, my son went away to college, so he like didn't I, um, have to sort of be at home so much. Um, I, I bumped into a, a friend and colleague, Mike, who wanted to make a film about like adventure films, wondered if I was up to anything good. I was like, well, actually, yeah, I'm thinking about this. And so all of a sudden I had, you know, people wanting to make a film, a time off my work, um, a coach that was going to work for me, massive curiosity about what I could do and feeling fitter than I ever had. So, um, yeah, so that's why, that's why I started looking for something, yeah. Hey, this is Jenny. It's um, June the 20th and it's Wednesday and I'm calling from Russia. Which is so exciting. Like, obviously, I knew I was coming here, but actually to be here and riding through it is so surreal. I'm about 300 kilometres, yeah, about 300 kilometres um, in towards Moscow, and I've got about the same again to go to get to Moscow tomorrow. Um, Poland was really difficult, actually, so the boys had left, and I think just enormity of the project and what I'd taken on and like yeah yeah I think that and like everything you know when you like when you've been planning and you've got like endless to-do lists and just the build-up of it is really exhausting in itself just like getting ready for it and I think finally being on the road by like on the Sunday I was like whoa I was pretty wiped and tired and yeah thinking I hope every day is not as hard as this like I felt every single mile and then like I woke up on Wednesday morning oh and I had these horrendous like um not Wednesday morning sorry Monday morning I woke up on Monday morning and I'd been bitten by these mosquitoes and my head was massive like double the size I had like a big bum shape coming out of my forehead it was quite funny um and then I rolled down to get some antihistamines and um, by the time I got down there because I'd put my helmet on like I'd pushed all the swelling down so then I had these huge eyes for two days which meant like that um, everyone was avoiding me <laughs> like I would, I would forget and walk into a garage and take my sunglasses off and I'm not even exaggerating that like it was like I'd been properly punched um, and people would just look at me and look away and like they even if they were serving me they couldn't make eye contact with me so it's been like quite a uh, yeah quite a 
like solo trip so far because no one's really want to chat because of my face I think. Explorers um, don't really so talk good. about the beastie side of things you don't feel very hardcore for putting up with the beasties do you you know and um, but actually they wear you down like getting bitten all the time really wears you down especially when your face is huge and um, so I just have like ice lollies and things like that over my head and uh, it is quite funny though because the BBC report that went out picked up on one of these photos that was getting shared and even now I'm still like getting tagged on this really funny mosquito face head. It's like, oh, I'm glad that's still going about. <laughs> and someone got in touch with me on uh, Twitter and said, you you are um, oh such a breath of fresh air in, an, uh, in, a, in a world that's full of Instagram filters. <laughs> You are with your mosquito face. Thank you for shading. <laughs> and it's like, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> but to what extent have you always been someone who, who had to see how far you can take something? Is that part of your, your psyche? Because, you know, it, it's still quite an extraordinary thing to want to do in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. Is it? It feels really normal now. <laughs> It's like, I remember when I came up with it, well, not when I came up with it, but when I started thinking about it myself, I was like, right, I have to do it because I bet loads of other people are going to be doing this really soon. <laughs> and I just said in my head that I was going to be like fighting off people to go out and try and do it. So I, for me, I just feel like yeah, it's quite a, a, quite a normal thing to want to do. Um, I guess I've, I'm always extremes, quite often extremes. Um, so if I'm into something, I'm really, really into it and I give it my all. And if I'm, if I'm not into it, then I'm really not bothered about it at all. So I think that is in my personality. And yeah, I guess I, yeah, I do take things. I do take things too far sometimes, <laughs> including riding my bike. <laughs> so yeah, that was Poland was tough. And then but coming into Lithuania was great. I got a real buzz coming in there. And it was a gorgeous country, all rolling and really welcoming like kind people although like not making eye contact but still nice um and then didn't see that much of Latvia again was just on like this massive road that was had no cars in it it was so bizarre it was like the best tarmac ever really fast riding and it, there was just nothing like no vehicles on it and it wasn't even late at night it was you know it was sort of like um four or something I got into Latvia so yeah that was a bit bizarre and then I had breakfast there this morning and then came through the Russian border which was very exciting because I've built up these border crossings so much I mean people do them all the time but I'm like oh no this is where it's all gonna mess up I'm not gonna get across the border and like keep dramatizing <laughs> And it was actually really easy. It was there for about 40 minutes or something. Had to go through sort of a few different checkpoints and get everything signed off. But even when I was having to, like, so you you go through the first one and and I think, like, not knowing the language and things like that too and just being, like, so conscious that if you get held up here, it would have a massive impact on you. Um so like you're trying to be cool and calm but actually you're like oh please let me in and um, so I got through like the first two gates all right and then and then 
oh no, I skipped the second one, which was the customs one. And yeah, so I had to go back and get that. And then what other gates did they have? Oh, and then you have to fill out the form to say where you're going to stay and who who your host is. And I was sweating it on that. But anyway, it was all fine. They were lovely, really. Like, they didn't really care. You know, it's just their system that you have to go through. So, yeah, I was chuffed getting into Russia. And that's me, yeah, been on the road since about... I phoned my mum once I got in. Went to a cafe, phoned my mum, and um, that was nice. And then that's me being on the road basically ever since. Okay, I'm actually falling asleep speaking to the phone. So, night-night, and speak soon. Bye-bye. From Russia. Yeah, I've been on the go for eight days now. Yeah, it's been a bit of a rough day, actually. Just had a couple of mechanicals this morning, um, which really held me up. And then, like you can hear the traffic, things just got crazy on this road. I'm walking in, like, along... I'm walking along the verge because the hard shoulder is just completely gone. It's been gone for like hours. So uh, I got to Moscow and started heading east out of Moscow and it's on the Trans-Siberian Highway. Now, it's a really incredibly busy highway and I always knew it was going to be. And it's really busy with tracks mostly. Um, and there's no hard shoulder, or there's some places there's a great hard shoulder, but quite often there's a tiny hard shoulder that you've got to stay on for hours and hours and hours. And then the tracks are basically hugging the white line. So you've got this imaginary 10 centimeters between you and really fast traffic that's a bit relentless. And then sometimes your hard shoulder goes. So now you've got nothing. And the tracks aren't expecting cyclists on that road. People don't cycle it for very good reason. Um, and so I got to, I think I got to about two days east of Moscow and just had so many near misses. Although today has been a little bit scary. So I had a couple of accidents where, or incidents where it could have been really bad. So the first one, I fell off the curb and um, sort of swerved to get back on it and just went skidding across the road. Luckily, it was there was like no vans there because I would have been squashed. And luckily, it was just really surface road, so there was no gravel on it. It totally gave me a fright. And then just as before it was dark, I just thought, oh, I should pop a light on so cars can see me ahead, like, you know, a flashing white light. It wasn't dark or anything, but just so other so vehicles give me. And this car, like, I basically just looked up and was like, what? And I was on the tiniest little bit of um, hard shoulder, and this car was kind of hurtling towards me on the wrong side of the road, overtaking. And I had nowhere to go. Like, there was a barrier right next to me on the right-hand side, and this car coming up on the left hand. And I just got like as close, like in this, like in, within milliseconds of it all happening, from me realising to to the car passing, and um, was just like 
I felt myself just like tucking my shoulders in, tucking my elbows in, just like no, and just it just went flying past, and I could feel it. I could feel it. It was close, and oh, honestly, and I just managed to get myself together after the fall as well. It was so stressful. I was stopping every like say every hour and a half I'd have to pull into a garage and I was gripped I mean when I was on that road I was gripped I was riding for my life and I would have to go and just be like get some water just give my head a break and so it was much more about being exhausted mentally on that road than physically because it was you know it was only a week into the trip so um, a particular time it was really scary and I came off the road and just burst out crying, went into a garage, burst out crying, was just knew that I couldn't go any further and um, riding the way that I was because I was going to be killed. It was never a case of, oh, game over, I can't do this, but it was like, right, how am I going to, how am I going to find a way around it? Yeah, Ooh, this is quite exhausting. So the plan is, I'm just going to walk through a bit and, um, Hopefully, hopefully I'll um, get to town pretty soon. The one on the map's not too far away, and get a cup of tea and log on and just try and find a reroute round. And that's when I decided I was looking for detours, and the detours were like. Mm well, it might just sort of be just as bad or the roads might not be so good and actually there's not a detour for another 150 miles anyway. So, <clears throat> so I thought, right, I'm going to ride through the night, make the most of the quiet roads. Roads were dead at night time and um, only have a few hours in the afternoon that is busy. And so then I'm, yeah, you know, everything is a lot calmer if we're going out there and riding. Last night, it was like, it was the best idea in the world. By the time I came up with it, there was nobody around to sort of speak to about it. And, you know, I'd, <laughs> I'd been out all day, so it was really hard to tell if, like, you're making good decisions or not. And it was obviously a major one, like, a complete, completely changing the plan. And because I'm prone to doing this, it, like, just to staying up all night and riding all night, just, like, get it done, you know, I'll, I'll just stay up and do an all-nighter. I was like, made myself, like I kept promising myself, right, you're not going to do that, no matter what, you're not going to do that in the first week, Jen, <laughs> and stay up and try and catch miles, and then, what do you know, day eight, and then there was, so, I kept thinking of, I just blown the whole thing by riding at night because it takes it out of you you're like you know you, um, you at some point I knew I was going to have to change back to the day shift and that is a lot of stress in your body and then I spoke to my pal Emma who I just messaged her because she was still up who has got like nothing like no background of came whatsoever and has got like zero knowledge of the stuff that we do if you know what I mean, like, not that she doesn't know, like, she obviously knows what I'm doing, but she doesn't, like, she wouldn't be able to give an opinion on it. And poor Em got me, like, actually, Em, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. And you could tell by, like, the time that she was taking to write her replies that she was like, oh, no, I don't want to be responsible for this.
It was like, oh, am I, whatever I say might influence it, but it was just really nice to be able to say it out loud, you know, and just, you know, that helps sometimes, doesn't it? Just to be able to... <laughs> Yeah, I, um, this is what I'm doing but just because you knew it was such it. a big deal and... to sort of think of it but the reason that I struggled so much was because I, I was constantly worried that I was going to mess the whole thing up it was such a big challenge and not only that it was I I had got sponsors on board for it I'd got the people back home on board with it I had this spot tracker that I was sending out you know to the world I'm a way to do this that was a that was a a lot, there was a massive budget that we got, well, not massive budget for that, but there was, you know, the people had given money and equipment to it. It was like, don't mess it up by something stupid. Just the same as the, the same as the GPS thing, you know? It was like, don't let a, one of your decisions mess the whole thing up before it's even started. Number one priority is getting home safely. Number two is cycling around the world, and number three is breaking the female world record. So, like, you've just got to keep that stuff in perspective. As much as I, much as I want that record, and I'm still on track for it, like, I'm still totally on track for it. You know, well, I've done more miles than I needed to today, so... Um, but, yeah, just keeping that. Keeping why you're out here, and, like... If you're not, if you're that scared that you're going to get run over, then that is like not what I'm doing this for. The Jenny Graham Round the World podcast is an Adventure Syndicate production made possible thanks to Shand Cycles, a small independent bicycle company based in the heart of Scotland, fabricating hand-built steel bikes to order since 2003. Along with Shand, special thanks goes to Mike Webster, Thomas Hogburn and the folk at Bogbane Farm. The music was One More Round by David Seste, Reservoir Sunset by Axletree and Arizona Moon and Rubber Ball Machine from Blue Dot Sessions. For full music licensing details, head for the Adventure Syndicate webpage. The story consultant was me, Penny Latin. Coming up next time on the Jenny Graham Round the World podcast. Oh my goodness, tell me you're getting this moon the same as me. It's just crazy. Because when you're on the bike, it's really easy. Like, I was riding along and, well, that's you then, like, loser. And then they woke me up with this Google Translate, like, in my face, um, either offering sex or asking for sex. I don't know what it was, but they're bouncing along and you can just see their silhouette. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, I'm not a kangaroo fan at the moment. They freak me right out. Basically, just go home, Jenny, what are you doing?